When most people talk about the Big Apple as a culinary destination, the focus is often on Manhattan's chic restaurants or the newest foodie fad in Brooklyn. But the Bronx is quickly becoming the go-to place for food enthusiasts. And it's being helped by a New York City hot sauce company with a unique business model. Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. On this week's show, I'm talking with members of the Bronx Green Market Hot Sauce about their business and community building partnership. Joining me are Daniel Fitzgerald, Vice President of Operations, and Julia Fitzgerald, Vice President of Sales. Also joining us is Cheryl Durant. She's garden manager at Kelly Street Gardens. She's also farm coordinator at New Roots Community Farm, part of IRC. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. Now, I want to ask you, Cheryl, what IRC stands for. (laughs) We're going to get to that. But I really want to hit on this unique business model of the Bronx Green Market Hot Sauce. So, Julia or uh, Daniel, what's your business model? So, uh, one of the things that we were trying to do with Bronx Green Market Hot Sauce was to incentivize local communities and community gardens to kind of have investment in the growing of fresh produce in the Bronx. So what we do is in May, we donate Serrano pepper seedlings to any garden in the Bronx that wants to participate. And these are about two weeks along the growing process, so it kind of gives the gardens a head start with their uh, task of growing the Serrano peppers for us. And the gardens are under no obligation whatsoever to sell back the Serrano peppers to us. We leave it completely open-ended and Grow NYC, which is the largest green grocer in New York City and does a lot of community outreach as well, they help us distribute these uh, Serrano pepper seedlings in May. Uh, And after they're distributed, then what happens? After they're distributed, we buy back the Serrano peppers from the participating gardens throughout the course of the season for about $4 a pound. This year, we grew 1,500 pounds of Serrano peppers in community gardens throughout the Bronx. So that is direct investment back into these communities that are being funded by Bronx Hot Sauce. Then in November, we cook the Serrano peppers that we've collected from all of the community gardens with our signature six all-natural ingredient recipe. And then we sell, hopefully, uh, throughout about 150 stores in the tri-state New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut area. And it's that buying of the hot sauce by customers that goes directly back into the community gardens. And so we try and do a cycle, you know, in which the funding of the hot sauce funds community gardens and sells more hot sauce. So, Daniel, what's so special about these Serrano peppers? Why Serrano peppers? That's a great question. So we actually had a lot of help along the way when we were starting this business. And one of the really helpful first invest not investors but you know people who are helping us with our ideas was governor cuomo and he has a department of agriculture representative up in ithaca and she is the pepper master and she's part of cornell university <laughs> is that and, the official title pepper? yeah, <laughs> pepper <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't know exactly <laughs> what they call her but she has a very important title and she started a lot of hot sauces actually in new york state because people go to her for advice and at first you know we said we're looking to make a hot sauce. And one of the reasons why we chose hot sauce is because you can grow a little bit of Serrano peppers and they go a very long way. Mm -hmm. If you grow 100 pounds of peppers, you can make 500 pounds of tomato sauce between the vinegar, the garlic, and it was just a very sustainable way to try and maximize our impact on these community gardens. You mean hot sauce? 
Yeah, I mean hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Not tomato sauce. That's the that's the difference. That's, that's the, the next venture. That's going to be the next. <laughs> yeah, venture. exactly. Because well, with tomato sauce, you grow a hundred pounds of tomatoes, and it cooks down to about twenty pounds of tomato sauce. Ah. So that's not a very sustainable way to try and fund these community gardens activities. But with Bronx hot sauce, you grow a hundred pounds of serrano peppers, and you get five hundred pounds of hot sauce. And so when we went to this uh, pepper master in Ithaca, affiliated with Cornell University. We really were open-ended, kind of, with what serrano, what pepper we wanted to use. We knew vaguely about the habanero, we knew about the jalapeno, but she was the one who kind of directed us to the serrano pepper based on the short growing season that it can thrive in. It actually is a pepper that comes from the highlands of Mexico, and so there they kind of have kind of cold winters, temperate summers, and that is kind of very similar to the growing environment that we have in the Bronx. So it just made perfect sense to kind of base our community garden venture and our hot sauce around the serrano pepper because it could kind of get two or three harvests per year or even four or five, depending on how much the gardens produce, but as opposed to one or two from a habanero or a jalapeno, which apparently takes a longer period of time to grow. So you end up getting more bang for your buck. Exactly. That's what we were trying to maximize. So, Cheryl, how did you become involved with the Bronx Green Market hot sauce and and can you explain what an IRC is? IRC is um, International Rescue Committee. And we're basically, uh, IRC is basically a refugee resettlement program. It's an international program, actually. And um, uh, I work for the office here in New York. So I got involved with New Roots Community Farms because the New York New Roots Community Farm is just one of a number of New Roots Community Farms all over the U.S., it's part, it's, we use urban agriculture in, um, at IRC to kind of, uh, integrate, you know, um, community, um, refugees into the New York community. It's a great way. Food is a great entry point. Growing food is a great entry point for a lot of people. Putting your hand in the soil is like, and talking about food, it's breakdowns a lot of barriers. So I got involved with, um, New Roots Community Farm about Nearly two years ago, I started as a seasonal farm coordinator. So when I got to New Roots, the peppers were actually already growing. So I just jumped right in and became, became part of the Bronx Green Market hot sauce. Uh, last year, we grew for um, Bronx hot sauce about 300 pounds of peppers. And this year, we actually almost doubled our yield. So for me, it's a, like a very exciting project to be a part of. And um, it's kind of a great entrepreneurial model because you start from transplanting peppers, you learn how to grow the peppers, you know how to take care of the peppers, you know how to do pest management around the peppers, you harvest the peppers, you sell the peppers, and um, you turn your revenue back into developing the community garden. So it's like for us at New Roots Community Farm, a win-win situation. And I do want to talk more about the, the refugee program, but I want to talk a little bit more uh, about the function of the Bronx Green Market Hot Sauce. Who is, uh, please forgive me, Chef King, help me, Julia. Fajanakan. Fajanakan. Who is that in relationship to your organization? Chef King is actually the cook of the Bronx Green Market Hot Sauce, and he came up with this very unique, all-natural recipe for the Bronx Hot Sauce. He worked carefully after deciphering which pepper to use, that Serrano would be the best, and with a lot of trial and error, he found the perfect recipe because before they cooked the peppers in the hot sauce recipe, it tasted one way. The heat was not exactly what he wanted or it was a little too sweet. So Chef was the master chef of the hot sauce. And he went to he went to Bronx 
science mm-hmm. high school, and he so he's a Bronxite. Yes. And he, where did he go to school, college? He went to the Culinary, Culinary Institute, Institute of America. He went America. to the Culinary Institute of America. So who decided that this unique business model was the way to go? This is our third year uh, working with Bronx Hot Sauce. This is our third season growing Serrano Peppers. And the thing is, it got easier. It's by no means easy, but it got easier <laughs> each year. Because the first year, uh, we donated Serrano Peppers seedlings to participating gardens. But... They didn't have an end vision of what was going it was going to look like. So it was one of those things. And uh, the founder of our company, John Crotty, was kind of the visionary who kind of put the whole thing together. And he said, we're going to grow 500 pounds of Serrano peppers in the Bronx. And everyone said, you are crazy. <laughs> no one is going to do that at all. It's just not going to happen. And sure enough, the first year... And again, it was a kind of a ragtag operation, kind of. We were kind of improvising a lot on the spot. We didn't have a product to put in front of the gardeners to say, look, we make this. If you grow Serrano peppers, they will go into this. And we were trying to describe what our vision was. And we said, hey, if it just fails, it fails the first year. But we were so pleasantly surprised that we grew 500 pounds of peppers in the Bronx. And so he's the one that came up with this ingredients. Yes. Simple ingredients. Is he also the the chef um, behind the Bronx salad, which uh, the ingredients are found at some of the community markets here? I've I've been hearing a lot about this Bronx salad, which I think is uh, there's hope that the Bronx salad will popularity will grow like the Waldorf salad and become sort of famous, (laughs) you know, for like for that New York, New York hotel. Is he the same guy? Exactly. So uh, one of the things that we were doing this year for the Savor the Bronx Week, which is a great week that celebrates all Bronx restaurants, not just the famous restaurants on Arthur Avenue, which are delicious, of course, but all over the borough. And so there's more than Arthur Avenue. We got a lot of great stuff around the Bronx. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, We were talking about pernil earlier and you can get the best pernil in the Bronx. What's pernil? The roasted pork. So any of the flavors of the borough. But you're good at making. Well, I can make it, but I don't want I don't want to brag. <laughs> Julia, is we don't know how well, but he can cook it. <laughs> Julia, is your brother a good cook? He tries. <laughs> when you put Bronx hot sauce on it, it tastes great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so so tell me about more about the chief. So Chef King actually was the one who developed the Bronx salad, and what he wanted to do was capture the unique flavors of the borough because we have so many immigrants from all over the world, from Latin America, from Africa, and they all use their own unique ingredients, corn, yucca. Mm -hmm. And so what he wanted to do was bring together all of these ingredients into one salad, and then the dressing of which is based with Bronx hot sauce, rather. And so we have our six ingredients are apple cider vinegar, which gives it a little bit of an acidic sweet taste, Uh, serrano peppers, which gives it the heat, salt, of course, which is delicious, sugar, just to kind of bring out a little bit of the sweetness of the apple cider vinegar, and then onions and garlic to kind of give it a more, I say salsa verde flavor, because it kind of doesn't overpower the food. It kind of adds just a nice, subtle heat to anything that you're eating. And because of the apple cider vinegar, you can combine it with oil and make a really delicious dressing that goes well on the Bronx salad, and it highlights all the unique flavors of our borough. Now, Daniel, you just gave away the secret ingredients. What's going to stop somebody from just making this at home? You know, you can only get it in the Bronx. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Right now, there's some great restaurants like Havana Club and uh, Mott, Haven Bar and Grill that for the Save of the Bronx bought cases and cases of our hot sauce. So if you want to check out the originators and who's really developing it, you got to check out those two restaurants. And I guess maybe people would want to take the chance of like working with the mixture. You guys have the mixture down right. You know the heat to use. You know how much to use. So 
Don't try this at home, folks. <laughs> This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with Daniel Fitzgerald and Julia Fitzgerald about the Bronx Green Market Hot Sauce and their very unique business model. And also joining us is Cheryl Durant. She's a garden manager at Kelly Street Gardens and also the farm coordinator at New Roots Community Farms, part of IRC. Stay with us. More Fordham Conversations is next. So I want to talk a little bit more about um, the refugee program. Uh, uh, Cheryl, walk me through the process of what a refugee goes through, because the refugees help with the farming, I would assume. Correct? Uh, yeah. And um, I am mostly stationed at the community farm. So in terms of the refugee program, I honestly can't speak as an expert on it. But our our refugees that work with us work with us through a job training program. We also do other programs like English as a second language okay. uh, on the farm. So they come uh, to the farm to work with me uh, two, three times a week, depending on how the program progresses and how many um, refugees that we have that come to the farm. And um, a lot of them choose a lot of them have deep roots in agriculture already. They either have, you know, some of them come with no experience, but a lot of the refugees that I work with, are, are, or job trainees as we like to call them, have a ton of experience in agriculture. So, you know, it's like a collaboration working working with them on this, and I get a lot of expert advice. I get a lot of suggestions on how to do things. I also get suggestions on types of crops to plant uh, because they come from different areas and they also want to see diverse crops on the farm and to have a sense of belonging because some of the crops that we grow they can identify with. So my work is usually all the time outside working with the refugees and honestly I hardly go into the head office because I love being outside. <laughs> you like working with your hands. Yeah. So how did the job trainees get introduced to your community garden? Uh through our, I guess through um, the head office and our case managers. And um, when they enter the United States, they, I mean, the, the thing about IRC is that it offers a plethora of services. It basically walks refugee through every aspect of, you know, coming into the United States. They get um, English as a second language, job training skills, um, immigration advice, everything that they would need coming from whatever part of the world they come from to be able to to come to the United States and be able to live here. So a lot of them, you know, when introduced to New Roots program, say they want to do their job training at the farm. Mm -hmm. So that's how um, a lot of our um, job trainees end up. And so I can get anywhere from, or we can get anywhere from eight to 10 people in one um, job, job training period. And so are, are you doing a, a lot of the training or are they also training you and helping you out? How does that work? I, I think it's a collaboration. I mean, it, I mean I've mean, i been doing farming for like probably eight years. I went to farm school. So I, I, you know, I think I have a lot of experience. But, um, you know, I... That for me, farming or gardening is like a collaboration. So I don't just impose what I know because, you know, other people have been doing this a long time as well and um, doing it in many different ways. So I'm, I'm, I am open. So for me, farming and gardening is a collaboration. So are you from New York City? 
I've been living in New York City since 1989. Okay, so you're a city girl who's a farmer. How'd that happen? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's what I wanted to do when I grew up. Yeah. That's that's how I look at it. You always wanted to be a farmer. Yeah. My father was a farmer, actually. Really? Yeah. And actually, I did not want to be a farmer. I went to business school. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you end up curving for business school, you know, and, and, and bypassing dad and becoming becoming a farmer and a gardener and and working at New Roots Community Farms and uh, Kelly Street Gardens? Well, um, I lived in Brooklyn for quite a while and I volunteered with an organization called Sustainable Flatbush and they had an urban farm and garden program and I would volunteer on their um, community garden. And um, during the, what do you call it, 2008, 2009, when you had the crash in the economy and people were getting laid off or getting packages, I was one of those that took a package and figured, what do I want to do with this opportunity? And I had already been working with Sustainable Flatbush and enjoyed doing the work. And um, it just started from there. And the, the director that I was working with said, you should go to farm school. And I was like, yeah, I should go to farm school. And I went to farm school <laughs> and um, spent two years there, worked on a lot of farms, volunteered a lot, actually became director of their urban farm and garden program. And that working with them and building my experience led to becoming the garden manager at Kelly Street Garden and finally the farm coordinator at New Roots Community Farm. Now, we know the serrano pepper grows well here. Are there other crops that are specific to the Bronx area that you know of? Well, I can speak for the gardens that I work at Mm -hmm. and, you know, visiting other gardens and I can tell you tomatoes, Mm -hmm. all different types of tomatoes. People are big on tomatoes. I think the biggest Honestly, the biggest crop is peppers. People love peppers in the Bronx. They love all kinds of peppers. We grew so many variety of peppers at um, at New Roots. It wasn't funny. They like um, cucumbers. They like tomatoes. They like squash. They like pumpkins, peas, beans. There's so many things. And those all grow in the, in the Bronx. And those all grow in the Bronx. I even grew um, bisap from Africa, which is, um, we, well, in, in, in the Caribbean, we call it hibiscus or sorrel, and I grew it very, very successfully. I still don't know what it is. Fruit? Veggie? What does it look like? What does it taste like? It's, you know, the, the dried hibiscus flour that you use in hibiscus tea? I don't cook. Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> which sh- is why I'm trying to get an invite over to Daniel's when he cooks that we will, Before we leave here today, we'll show you a picture of it, and you will you will know it. Okay. Well, what does it taste like? I'm trying to get a, a feel for my listeners it, to kind of it's a, it's It's a very citrus, citrusy, tart flavor. You okay. Know? And um, in, in Jamaica, we use it to make a drink called sorrel, which is usually um, a, a holiday drink. Um um, lots of people from regions in Africa, they eat the leaves. The leaves are also very tart and um, very tasty. And also you can steep it to make a hibiscus tea. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not something you go and grab off the tree and kind of bite while you're walking. It's a process to making it. Actually, we tear the leaves off the bisap tree and eat them just oh, raw okay. because it's it's tart and it's really tasty. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get a little serious here. Um, we know that the Bronx is one of the poorest boroughs and some of its residents have little if no access to nutritious foods like fruits and veggies provided by community gardens. Uh, and this this question is for anybody. What do you think needs to happen to address this problem here in the Bronx? That's a big question. <laughs> Community gardens is a start, right? Community gardens are a big start, but one of the problems that we have, not only in the Bronx, but in all of New York, is actually land access. 
So to be able to have as many areas where people can actually grow food or culturally appropriate food is really, um, really very difficult. We, at New Roots, we're lucky. I mean, we have a half acre that we can grow food on, and that's unusual for a community garden because most community gardens are a few hundred square feet. At Kelly Street, it's 2,500 square feet, and that also is unusual. Because um, I've worked in community gardens which are 400, 500, 800 square feet. So I think one of the, one of the things is, is, um, is land access, where people can actually um, have a place where they can actually go and grow their own food. Because most of New York is all concrete and steel. And um, another thing that we have, a, we, they're not, a, where, where I live, I mean, access to green markets, I think we need more green markets, not less or are not green markets concentrated in certain areas. And maybe also we need more, um, more, more of a, a rural-urban connection so that we can have more food, um, access to food coming into neighborhoods that generally, generally don't have them. And, Cheryl, you use the word grow culturally appropriate foods. What does that mean? Well, you know, um, Daniel spoke about it. He talked, he talked about that the Bronx is, is diverse. There are many different types of um, ethnicities living in the Bronx. And a lot of the time, there is a language barrier if they're, if they're recent immigrants. And one of the ways for them to feel like um, they belong is that when they go to a market or a supermarket, they can find foods that they, that they are um, accustomed to eating. And that's where community gardens come in. That's why I mentioned the Bisap. It's a crop that the refugees that I worked with at IRC ate. And, you know, when somebody brought the seeds and says, can we try and grow that here? That's, that's the, um, the freedom that community gardens allows the, um, diverse groups to be able, be able to grow. You know, the foods that some foods, not all foods, but some foods that give them a sense of belonging. Just going off of what Cheryl said, I think when I first started working with uh, Bronx Hot Sauce back in 2014, uh, we worked on the Kelly Street Garden, and from the Kelly Street Garden, I know that there was people working on creating uh, cooking classes from the from the foods that were being produced in the garden. And I think going along with the space needed to cr- grow these peppers and for the people to have a connection to the urban and to the uh, to the gardens, I think also knowledge needs to be given. So being able to cook and to be able to do something that tastes good and is um, appealing to the youth of of the Bronx and to other boroughs. I think it's very important for, you know, these cooking classes was a great um, way to kind of make it fun and make it appealing and appetizing to kind of take it a step further with these with these cooking classes. I, I want to ask, um, so the Bronx Green Market hot sauce, is there's two types of hot sauces. That's it, right? Uh, right now we have two varieties. We have a green, which is our all-year-round offering. And the reason why it's green is because, again, simple sustainability and simple economy. It grows on the vine in a shorter period of time. So we can get an extra harvest or two out of these community gardens to kind of make even more bottles of hot sauce. And also we have a seasonal red, which is also made using serrano peppers, but it's normally the last harvest of the season. We ask our 40 partner gardens to leave the serrano peppers on the vine an extra two weeks, and the green peppers start to turn red. And actually what it does is contribute to a little bit of a smoother taste, I find. Everyone says, oh, it's red. It must be super hot. It's the spicier version. I say, actually, no. I find that the red pepper has mellowed a little bit, and it kind of blends with the other ingredients, the garlic and the onions, and it kind of creates a more 
uh, savory version of the Bronx hot sauce, and that's available in uh, for December mostly. It's kind of a seasonal gift. We package it together, the red and the green, and we put a label on the top that says, you know, happy holidays from our gardens to your tables, and it actually does very well in December as a holiday gift. And I'm curious, though, what challenges does this type of business model face? Because you have just these two community gardens. What happens if the peppers don't grow or people don't want the hot sauce at this particular time? What kind of challenges do you face with this type of business model? So one of the things that we always are clear to say is that, you know, each bottle purchased supports local Bronx community (laughs) gardens. Because if consumers are not purchasing the bottles of Bronx hot sauce, there's no funding that's going back to the gardens. So one of the challenges definitely that we've learned about is a lot of these companies and that you see on your supermarket shelves, they are all owned, you know, in an umbrella type of way. So the Grocery business is something, as I've learned, is a penny business. The margins are very, very tight. Mm -hmm. So you definitely benefit by having 25 products in front of the consumer, you know, if you're getting a very small margin, as opposed to a small company like ours that only has two offerings at the moment. And so one of the things that you really have to do is try and foster that connection and that relationship with consumers and just tell the story of the Bronx Community Gardens to as many people as often as you can. And so there's a lot of hot sauces. You can go to Whole Foods and see on the shelf, there's entire shelves full of them. But I don't think that any hot sauce has a story that comes from the Bronx Community Gardens like ours does and can kind of foster that relationship with consumers. So that's kind of one of the things that we try to do to sell our story first and then the taste second. And that's the best part when I do a tasting because I go through the whole story of the Bronx Community Gardens and the International Refugee Committee and resettlement and they really get a mouthful. And then I give them a chip with Bronx hot sauce on it and they say, wow, and it's really good. (laughs) And it's almost surprising to them (laughs) that after that whole story, I'm not just selling them something that, you know, it tastes delicious as well. so. Um, So how did you guys end up you know, going from the Bronx to some of these, like, major market stores. How did that happen? So going back to you asked what one of the struggles of the business was, and it was being in a small business, it was kind of hard to get your brand out there as a legitimate business. What we realized what was going to help us is getting into a big supermarket was going to make our company sound more legitimate to people. And people love Whole Foods, and it went along with our mission of being a locally sourced, mm-hmm. um, all-natural product. And so what we have to do to get into Whole Foods is you had to get in contact with a the Northeast buyer. Once we got that connection, we were able to go into as many Whole Foods as we can, tell the story like we are here today, and hope that the buyer there kind of grabbed onto the story the way that other, that we did. We wanted to foster the connection between the buyer and the consumer, saying that this is a locally grown product. The it's sort the peppers are sourced in the Bronx. Um, it's helping the the community gardens. It's helping the people living throughout there. It's tr- encouraging healthy eating. It's encouraging um, a community development, a connection between people and consumers. So the way that we had to do it was basically tell the story. And the way that it worked initially was they would say, "Oh, we like your story." Uh, yeah, we'll take a box. We'll take a case of hot sauce. And we were like, okay, we're in. And once you get in, you have to con- uh, continue with uh, demos, going in, telling the people that are shopping in the stores about um, 
about the story and hoping that they buy it. Because in order for this to work, like Daniel previously mentioned, is you you need people to keep buying it, right? right? So we can once you get into the store, the way that the Whole Foods relationship works is you have to be very persistent. And you have to be persistent in the way that you are physically in the store selling your product and promoting it and encouraging people to know about the story and to know about the Bronx Borough and to know um, about the work that goes behind this. And so... It almost seems like there's a um, a backup because back, 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 back in the day, uh, you actually had salespeople who come and knock on your door and they you would see them, you would know them. It was a face-to-face relationship. And that seemed to, you know, go away as time went on. Right. It seems like things are moving back to, I know you, I can trust you, I can see you, I have a communication and a relationship with you, right. therefore I trust you. And heck, it tastes good. You're exactly right. So Whole Foods was unique in that way that they really wanted a direct relationship with the buyers and with the products in their stores. They weren't just letting any product go through their their aisle. It was really all about their mission, which coincided exactly with our mission. And so that's how that relationship fostered. And then it grew and they I had to go into... Um, pretty much every Whole Foods in Manhattan, and then it expanded to the Whole Foods in Yonkers, and then it kind of made its way over into New Jersey, and its way onto Long Island. And now that we're in this Northeast region, now we sound, when people say, oh, well, where can we buy this hot sauce, you know, online? Or like, no, you can get it actually in any Whole Foods, basically, in the New York region. And people are like, oh, wow, that's awesome. I'd like to thank my guests, Daniel Fitzgerald, Julia Fitzgerald, and Cheryl Durant. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.